Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey Podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show. Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back for episode 105 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast in partnership with uh, The Athletic Boston. Um, we got a really good show this week. Um, we have, uh, obviously, The Athletic uh, article of the week coming up. And if uh, you want to be a part of The Athletic, please go to theathletic.com slash blackandgoldpod uh, and sign up today for some really good content um, all over sports, not just Boston sports, not just hockey, but complete sports everywhere and uh it's very good stuff to read so i, I, I highly recommend it um and we also have a uh welcoming back guest um on the second hour prospect talk we have rogers tv color analyst uh craig eagles coming back to talk about cedric pare and how he's doing up the quebec major junior hockey league with the Rimouski oceanic his new club so uh why don't we get us get started Got to welcome back a good friend and uh, and blackandgoldhockey.com website writer and workhorse uh, for the month of October, uh, Drew Johnson. He joins us. You can follow him at, on Twitter at DubeSchmoob, and uh, he writes for the hockey writers, and he also writes for us. So, uh, Drew, welcome back, bud. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. 
congratulations uh, on the uh, Boston University uh, media credentials. Uh, that's that's really cool. I look forward to your insight this coming weekend as uh, Bruins prospect goaltender Jeremy Swayman and his University of Maine Black Bears uh, head down to Boston to uh, to play at the Agana. So I'm sure you're going to be there for the Friday and Saturday games. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. The last time I got to saw him uh, or see him when I was down at Quinnipiac taking classes and uh, got to go to a couple games and see him. And uh, I believe that was the last time I was on. We uh, we talked about that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him in action again. Good. And uh, always welcome back, Court. Uh, he's He's got a shiny new phone, and I'm, I'm pretty pumped to hear that. Uh, yeah, it was free. I'm pumped to hear the free part. <laughs> and hopefully this battery will last longer than three hours <laughs> yeah no kidding right all right um let's just get right involved um uh with hashtag last... trade debrusque <laughs> oh, it's only it. relevant to what i said like a couple minutes ago but i don't care <laughs> people like honestly the answers i'm getting i don't care i'll talk right into it now the whole people thinking they can get panarin for a cup of tea is hilarious people yeah, we're definitely... He's going to cost either DeBrusque or McAvoy, and that's just to begin the conversation. We're definitely going to talk, get a little deeper in that and talk because uh, we definitely have to because it's definitely making major news right now on the, on the uh, Twitter machine. But uh, last week's games, there were only two. Um, there was uh, the Carolina game on Tuesday, October 30th. Uh, a, a good win. The start of uh, the Halak train. Toot toot. Uh, so uh, the second period, uh, David Pasternak gets uh, his 11th, and Brad Marchand gets his third. And then the third period, Brad Marchand ends the game uh, with his fourth goal, uh, and the Bruins win 3-2. Um, to two. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I need my glasses. I'm getting so pissed off at this. Yeah, you sounded like you questioned me or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to get my script redone because I'm starting to lose focus. Um, so, yeah, a good win for the for the Bruins. Um, and Against a good team. Like yeah, People yeah. thought every, before the game, it was like, oh, Carolina's the winnable game. I'm like, Carolina's playing great this year. There's a lot of good teams out there that have been very surprising to watch, and Carolina's definitely one of them. Um, they're just doing it by committee. They, you know, they're, they're putting it everything that they can. In well, regard- they're doing it by one line. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the Bruins. And that. <laughs> oh no! I thought I thought going. you meant the Bruins. Sorry, Carolina's doing it by committee. They're also making hockey fun again, which yeah. I think is awesome. And for the old timers that think it's you know stick with the old game, then uh, I'm pretty sure the game has just passed you by. Uh, Drew, thoughts on uh, the Carolina game on Tuesday? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I think a lot of people were writing off uh, Carolina from the get-go, but they've been a really good team this year. I believe they were uh, second in the Metro at the time of the game. Um, so, yeah, they, they've uh, been making waves this season, uh, which is definitely surprising. I mean, if you told me uh, they'd be second in the Metro, what was it, 11, 12 games into the season, uh, I probably would have laughed, but uh, they've been doing a good job. Uh, definitely a big surprise. Yeah, um, and it, as of right now, the Carolina is out of the wild card. Um, they have 14 points with a six-six and two record. Well, let's talk about how every team is like a point away from each other. Oh yeah, definitely. yeah, it's close. Like, that's right the now. other thing. Everybody's like, let's make a trade. 
what team is going to be willing to make a trade now when everybody's so close to each other? Yep. The only people that are out of it is what, the Red Wings. They're already out of it. <laughs> They're bad. Uh, before we get to that, I just want to get involved in the uh, the the schedule that's coming up uh, this week, and it, it's a pretty important one. Uh, this it's the start of tomorrow night against the Dallas Stars is the is game one of a four game homestand. Hopefully, they can get this uh, the, you know off the schneid of the, uh, the 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 loss to. I forgot. We f- totally forgot about the, the uh, Nashville. Nashville. Oh, game. How, how do we not talk about? Oh, the, I'm sorry. The I, just, I got kicked off because I'm just That's all okay. over the place. So the Bruins lost to Nashville last night on Saturday, the uh, November third. Um, just an all round. No, the forwards. The forwards lost. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. The defense and the goaltender. No, and the defense played well. Yeah, I'm. Uh, anyway, what? anybody's going to, I don't care what anybody says. I'll say it now. If you, you say that, you know, crew got his, guess what? Roman Yossi's better than any defenseman that was on that ice. And he made an amazing move. And guess what? Halak didn't make a great save, no, but he made true. a, he played amazing all game, but that was a terrible goal. So if we're going to call spade a spade, I'm going to do it all season. Now I'll call both goalies out. That wasn't a nice goal, but Halak played amazing, stood on his head. That's, but the defense played well. The forwards couldn't put the puck in the ocean. They barely, what, they got outshot in the third period? That's embarrassing. Right. But that's, Your goal is doing what he's doing, and you just sit back on your hands? That's exactly what I expect as a goalie like Yaroslav Halak to, to take that bad goal that he let in and shake it off and, and continue on to, to try to give this team a chance to win. And he definitely did that last night. Um, yeah, because Yossi scored a highlight, highlight deep around Krug. Krug's not the best defensive defenseman. We all know that. But come on. Yossi made a nice move, people. Yep, he did. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and on that play, Heinen uh, was just kind of shadowing him. I didn't like how he uh, played on that one. Just kind of shadowed him, kind of gliding and just having his stick out, hoping it hoping to hit it. Like he didn't he didn't play good defense on that play. But Yossi definitely should uh, get some credit for that insane move and uh, basically just undressed both Krug and Heinen on that play yeah. to get to the front of the net. Heinen played probably one of his worst games I've seen in a long time. Oh, my he, God, for sure. He was terrible out there. He looked very apprehensive in the corners. He didn't look sure of himself. He, When the puck came around on the boards, he was looking twice. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he's holding his stick too tight. I don't know. He did not play well. Yeah, there I, was... I, I've had enough of him on that second line, but I'm not the coach, but I want him off. There was one play where uh, I forget the sequence in the defensive zone, but the the puck got to him in the neutral zone. He basically had a one-on-one. Uh, instead of skating out wide and getting some speed and uh, maybe finding a trailing forward or defenseman coming in, he just tried to like deke through the guy and lost the puck in possession for the Predators. That, that was just one instance where uh, he was bad last night. And, and he, he did that a lot in the preseason too. Yep. And the, the the Bruins ran into a very hot goaltender that just signed a, a, a two year extension in Pekarene. Um, uh, a, a goalie that is hot and cold a lot, yeah, a lot like our backup. Yeah, just because like, he's our backup now. I can say he's Tukarask <laughs> is the backup, but Pekarene and Tukarask, very similar type goaltender. Both from Finland, I hear. Yeah, that's the thing. But <laughs> I, at the same time, I'm sure we all saw it. How many times did the Bruins come over and they just shot it at him? Like, shot it at his chest. 
Yeah. I, like, how bad was the power play? That was probably the worst we've seen this power play. Guess what, guys? That stretch pass over to uh, Pasternak, they saw it coming all day long. And I think, no fault to pass it, but, geez, he missed the net like 15 times. Like, they just kept trying it over and over again. Get some guys. No one went to the net. Get some guys in front of the net. Try something different. When you talk about that stretch pass, Court, I, I really got to figure out the website I heard on another uh, podcast uh, within the last two weeks that there is a website out there that that has the uh, success rate of stretch passes. And I heard that the, the Bruins are, like, close to uh, the – the end of that list. Um, in, they they, they look terrible. It just, it looked like no matter what on that power play, and correct me if I'm wrong, they only looked at Pasternak, and that's all they cared about is pass to get in that goal. And I'm like, come on, guys, go for another weapon, because Nashville looked like they were like, okay, it's going to Pasta. Pasta didn't even have to really go. He'd go across, and Pasta would miss the net anyways. Try something different. It, it, was, almost, it was almost reminiscent at times of, power play back in 2010 2011 where they just couldn't even get it into the zone at times uh they were just skating around their own end and like the four check uh man down by the predators was just you know thwarting them there was one power play i think they spent half the time in their own zone almost it was brutal and then you have we might as well talk about it you had brad marchand embarrassing himself he needs to grow up all he had to do on that one is take it suck it up and walk away. Instead, he got 14 minutes for being a dumbass. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I, I you know, I understand pleading your, your But your let's point. be fair here. What Sessions did was an absolute embarrassment. And it's funny because I've been watching all over social media. People either, they're only posting the one video. Yet on Sportsnet this morning on um, in, in here in Toronto, they were all over Sessions. They said what Marchand did was terrible. Mike Johnson was like, but what Sessions did was an embarrassment. Marchand did something to make a point cost his team so he looked like an idiot what sessions did was an embarrassment to the game of hockey yeah and i think uh you know i i mean i think it was funny the marshawn thing i don't agree with it but it, it made for a laugh uh i think around the league and uh you know i think it's good to definitely plead your case and be like yep that guy uh that guy i mean it wasn't a dive for high stick but you know essentially a dive and uh you know i think you know, one gesture is fine. I, I didn't like how he just dove on the ice and then, you know, continued doing it all the way to the penalty box and then in the penalty box. That's why he got the penalty. I think terrible. if you just, you just, you know, you mouth off to him and you let the ref know he got it wrong and you move on. Absolutely. Um, moving on to the upcoming schedule. This I can do this this time. <laughs> the, uh, the Bruins play... The Dallas Stars, um, Monday, November 5th. Primetime game in Canada, by the way. Nice. Uh, and then they play Vancouver, uh, another good team. Uh, that was a surprising team in the league on Thursday, November no, 8th. Well, they have a guy named Elias Pettersson. And he's that is back. Like, he's unbelievable, this guy. He's like, it looks like watching Datsuk. I've watched a couple Canucks games. This guy is the real deal. And uh, Saturday, November 10th, they play the Maple Leafs, uh, the first game of the, uh, this <sighs> matchup. This should be interesting. It should be a good one. <laughs> I know Court's already already paying for it. <laughs> Behind I'm at, a, I'm at a wedding on Saturday, so it's in Boston at least, so I don't have to deal with it, but I know that I'm going to have to deal with it. 
And then so that's... we need a win. Just give me a just give me a regular season win. I already got to embarrass all Leaf fans that I know when we came back in Game Seven and embarrassed them for a second time. Um, at least there's no Austin Matthews, but last time I checked, they had no Matthews last year when they they beat the Bruins. So <sighs> now here's the question: Who starts those three games? Because I think Halak. I don't think he starts all three. Well. If if you're gonna do, in my opinion, because this is a four game homestand, I would give any game that there's a break to Halak, and then give the uh, Sunday game, which is a very strange home and home back to back. We don't really get many of those. Usually, it's a home and then away. It's uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, I, I would I would give Rask. Oh, I'd have Halak against the Leafs. I'd have Halak against the Leafs. Oh, for sure, together. for sure. But we don't know. Butch can do what he wants, right? And once again, the same thing as last year when Rask got put back in. Everybody's like, "This can't happen. This can't happen." And then he stood on his head, right? So yeah, I, I, wrote... just want, I just want both goalies playing well. I don't care who's in net. Just both of them. If we have both of them playing like Halak is right now, Jesus. Yeah, I wrote an article recently about how they uh, should still split the net between Halak and Tuca, but. Uh... You know, Halak's been playing really good. I think, I mean, I'd still like to see Tuca get his fair share of uh, starts because, I mean, he has a tendency to start slow. Like last season uh, was obviously a horrible start for him. But then uh, I think it was like since November 29th, he was 31 6 and 3, if I'm remembering that correctly. It was disgusting. Yeah, it, was, it, was it was amazing. Disgusting. So I think you still got to give him his fair share of starts so he can warm up a bit. I mean, I know you don't want that from a goaltender who has proven that he's been one of the best in the league at uh, during the prime of his career. But uh, I think you still need to give him his fair share. Maybe you start Halak a little more, but maybe, you know, you give Halak two starts, then you give Tuka one. Uh, and keep going with that pattern. Uh, yeah, H- Halak plays well against Dallas, who's a high-powered offense. Then he has to play the Leafs. Mm-hmm. So maybe throw Tuka in, in the Vancouver game and give Halak that rest because he's going to get – think about it. Dallas Stars are going to shoot the lights out. Mm-hmm. Nashville didn't really – Nashville Nashville outshot the Bruins, but it wasn't like the, the Carolina game. Dallas is going to – they got some high-powered weapons. And, maybe uh, maybe throw maybe throw uh, Tuka in against Vancouver, who's the lesser of the three of these four teams. Vegas is not a slouch, right? Even though Tuka hasn't, he's for some reason because I've seen two games against Vancouver, he's got can't beat them when I'm at the game. But uh, we'll see what happens. The, I just um, I just think you need to give him a start this week. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I, I would much rather just, just ride the Halak train, but I understand that you do have to get him involved, keep him game shape, and so on. So I do. Yeah, otherwise, you're good, that train's going to derail. Yeah, yeah. He's still, he's still, people need to realize he's still Yaroslav Halak. But look yeah, at and, okay, No sure. one lined up. Boston Bruins didn't, no one lined up to take this guy this year. You know, best case scenario, uh, you know, Tuka finds his A game sometime in November. Halak's still going. And you start both of them, uh, you know, based on matchups and whatnot. Um, Ala, the Reggie Lemel and Andy Moog back in the day? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen it multiple times in the league. I believe L.A. did it at one point. Uh, in one of those years, they were pushing for a cup or maybe won the cup. Uh, well, look at, look at Washington right now. They're, uh, they're not so elite goalie. is playing like he did last year again. And they're having to play every other goalie. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, man. Like, you know, Carey Price looked terrible last night. The, um, looking at the schedule, um, like I said, you have uh, Dallas coming into Boston on Monday night, and they right now are sitting in the third position uh, out, out of the playoff picture. And I know it's early, but they their road record is three and three. And then you scroll up to the road record for the Vancouver Canucks, who they play on Thursday, and it's four and four. But Saturday's game, and not surprising, is to- the Toronto Maple Leafs are an absolute perfect six zero and zero on the road. That was a, that's a game that I'm going to be worried about. And, and, and it, sh- it is surprising to people here in Toronto because until they won last night, the the pitchforks were out everywhere on yep. John Tavares big time. And now all of a sudden, articles this morning saying, oh, John Tavares is back. Don't worry about everything. But, like, they were talking about, like, bad signing. Like, everybody was – they were losing their mind here in Toronto. It was hilarious yesterday. You read everything, and it was all negative. I felt like I was watching – I was reading uh, Boston Bruins media. <laughs> <laughs> That's always fun, too. But uh, the game against Dallas, there are three, there are three goals a game average, 3.08. Their goals against those two point six two. Their goaltending hasn't been the greatest, and their power play, believe it or not, is worse than the Bruins. Jeez, which is hilarious. But their penalty killing is not that bad. Um. So now that we're all set with that, we got just because it's on the agenda list, and I want to touch back on it. Is 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 it time to pull the trigger on a trade? I mean, the Bruins are four, thirteen games into the season. They didn't do it last year at this time when they were struggling, obviously, and and it was pretty. Nor did they need to last year. But I don't. My, me personally, I do not base success on playoff history. I base success <laughs> on what is going on right now, and that's the regular season. And last year they walked away with a hundred twelve point season. So, I, I I'm not sure if I'm, I'm if I'm totally in on this. And of course, I'd love to see a guy like Panarin, who has been mentioned in the Twitter conversation recently, but it's, it's for me, it's what you're going to give up. And like you said earlier, court, uh, you know, it, they're not going to just give them away for a cup of tea. It's no, going to take a lot more than yeah. that. It has to be McAvoy or DeBrusque. Otherwise Columbus is like, why are you calling me? And if I'm Columbus, and if you look at their general manager, he's made some amazing trades. He's not going to make a stupid deal. Like his Seth Jones, he stole Seth Jones. From Nashville. They got Ryan Johansson. It was like a hockey trade. Yes. They do hockey trades. They're not making this deal unless DeBrusque is in on there or McAvoy's in on there. And sad to say, if push came to shove and this team really struggling, you, McAvoy is not – Panarin's better. Panarin's an elite player in the NHL. McAvoy right now, he's pissing me off. He's hurt. He's not playing that well even when he wasn't hurt. I don't know. I don't know, people. Maybe we're overhyping him. We're overhyping our prospects, that's for sure. Oh, we're yeah. overhyping the crap out of them. Um, but last year, the problem wasn't scoring. Last year, it was just they were missing bodies. This year, they can't score. They only have one line. Yeah, your, defense, your defense is what's hurt, and your defense is playing better. I think if a, if a trade is to occur, we, I mean, I don't think we're going to see it like this week. Um, unless like trade talks have been going on all season. I mean, trades don't happen overnight. Um, you know, it might be a little early. I mean, I understand the concern. Um, I, I've been on the, uh, I've had the opinion that there will be a trade by the deadline, maybe even before, 
uh, you know, sometime in December or something. But uh, I, I, I don't see one happening tomorrow, you know. Um, and if you do, I definitely think you bring in a, a second line winger, whether that's Panarin or whether that's someone else. Um, but do I you think bring you def- in Panarin because he's not willing to sign? Like, do we do this? No. See, that's why I've always been on the, you know, on the wavelength that Panarin is definitely risky, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull the trigger on that. Um, I, but I think the fact that he's on an expiring deal does bring his value down a little bit. Um, obviously, you're going to have to give up a big asset no matter what. But um, and the other, but, yeah, it's risky. Saying- it's risky. People keep saying, I, I had someone go at me, what about Mark Stone? I don't know. Do, do people just take darts? <laughs> like, they just name players that are like, why would a guy, Ottawa, struggling franchise, who a guy is willing to sign there, wants to stay there, why would they trade him? They would have done that already. They wouldn't even assign him. They would have just traded him already. So don't don't name players that are not available. you got to look at teams that are looking to make a hockey trade right now because that's the only deals you're going to get. No one's dumping anybody. They're looking for hockey trades, so you got to look at what we what the Bruins have a, a plethora of, and that's defensemen, and look for a team that needs that and has a scoring winger. Then start making doing your two plus two is four, because right yeah, now I mean, it makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I could part with Carlo if it's for you know a really good second line winger. It's um, got to be really good because you're I'm best not right now. Like I'm he's not actually the, your best defenseman. I'm not, not on the train of trading McAvoy. I mean, I know you say we have to. That would have to be in the conversation for Panarin. But if Correct. you go another way, I, way. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't trade McAvoy at all. Um, no. He's young. I know. I understand. You you say he's been struggling, which he has. He's been struggling, and now he's he struggled in, in the playoffs too. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, he's what? He's twenty, twenty-one. Exactly. He's younger cool. than me. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 a little little kid. But I'm just saying, people people think you're gonna trade like Grizz and all that. That's not gonna happen. And Krug, Krug's not gonna net you that 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 winger. Krug's in that Krug's an offensive weapon. You're gonna look a team that actually needs, which is not Carolina. I don't know why everybody says that too. Um, you need a, def- a team that's looking for offense on their back end. Yeah. No. I. I... I wouldn't give up Krug anyway because I mean, did you see the transition game while Krug was out? It was embarrassing, it's awful. And then oh. the second he comes in, it's all of a sudden on fire because he can he can carry the puck into the zone. Uh, you know, even if the defense doesn't collapse, uh, multiple times during the Nashville game, there were there were at least two guys on the blue line, three on the entry, and you know he can bring it in. It doesn't matter, and he finds the pass really quick. Uh, and he can hold on to it for a little bit to buy time for that passing lane to open. He's he, just too valuable on that breakout. Yeah, he even made a pass to Marchand on the power play at one point that I think Marchand was like, "Oh, I haven't got one of these all year. I almost forgot." Yeah, because like he looked like he was like, "Oh, the puck's on my stick." I was yeah. like, "Yeah, you got Krug back, man. You can you can pass the puck." All right, boys. Uh, now it's time to talk about a our article, athletic article of the week. And once again, this uh, comes from Joe Mack. Uh, I, I was really interested in trying to get uh, a Fluto article to kind of break it up a little bit. Uh, but he recently wrote one about the goalie controversy, and I'm frankly, I'm just so sick of hearing about it. So we just kind of move back to Joe. I, I promise we'll get one from Fluto sooner or later. I know he does great work, and we'll, we'll definitely incorporate one. Um, but uh, Joey Mack wrote uh, uh, an article that says, A month in, the Bruins are doing well enough, but there's room for improvement. And I have to definitely agree with that, um, but 
does the improvement come via trade like we just talked about and 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 obviously we're all on the on the the path is it's got to be the right one to be made a right trade to be made for that matter and but was this going to be from committee and and from people from players from down in Providence, which um, obviously, in my opinion, as a person that watches the uh, the Providence Bruins a lot, uh, hasn't really impressed me much at all because of their season and their individual plays down there as a team has not been very good. Um, and hopefully that picks up after the uh, the December month, which it normally does because they trend that way. But um, but Bruce Cassidy also had some very insightful things to say. Uh, he said, uh, we can be better in a lot of areas, uh, yet our record is pretty solid. It reflects what we're doing enough to win hockey games now. Uh, so going forward, I'd like to think that we'll straighten out some of these issues and we'll be even better. Um, what are your thoughts on some of the things that you guys read in this article? Uh, well... Uh, once again, it comes back down to secondary scoring, and that's pretty much what he touched on. They're, the team is winning, but they're kind of winning ugly, right? It's it's kind of what's going. They're, they're scraping by. Halak's winning us the games, but secondary scoring has been the the biggest problem with this team. It's what he touched on a lot in the article about they need to improve this. You can't just win hockey games with one line. It's just getting to the point, like, you know, it got us through the first round of the playoffs last year, but it sure as hell kicked us in the butt when we got to the second round. Tampa's like, yeah, we'll just check your one line with two of our lines. Have fun. Yeah, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just think the teams are they're just attacking the one line. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, he, there's a paragraph in the article about uh, how DeBrusque, Bjork, and Heinen haven't found their A games yet. Um and I think that's pretty obvious. That's hard to argue. Because uh, argue. Um, yeah, going into the season, I was thinking, uh, I mean, David Krejci always needs a weapon. If he's going to produce for you, he needs a weapon. Um, and, you know, I think, I thought DeBrusque was going to be that weapon just based on he played last year. Um, but I think a big part of why he was so successful last year was because no one really knew about him. And now going into this season, you know, he's everybody. He's got a he's got a target on his back in terms of the fact that he could be lethal. So um, I think uh, in terms of the trade, you definitely need to bring in someone for Krejci. Uh, and, you know, that would allow some of these players like Heinen. I, I don't see why he should be on the second line. I mean, I get it. He has offensive skill for sure, but uh, we haven't seen any of that. And I think he'd I think he'd do much better on the third line. Um, you know, if you get someone in the top six, that all automatically bolsters your depth and your bottom six because you move someone down. Um, but yeah, I think those guys really need to need to find their A game quick uh, if the depth is going to succeed. Well, and I thought for sure that it would happen when Crew came back. Well, not right away. Um, yeah. We did we did touch on it's it's going to get better, but Krug not being back there, it was destroying those other lines. Because think about it, your top pair right now that's playing with the number one line is Carlo and, and uh, Chara. There's no offense being generated there, nor need yeah, to. Yeah, no, no, no. But yeah, th- pretty much when you, you read Joey Max dead bang on, they're a one-line team and they need to wake up pretty much. 
Yeah. Yeah, you're not going far without without the depth. Yeah, you definitely. Uh, biggest thing for me is definitely the secondary scoring. You need it, um, it against teams like Tampa Bay, Toronto, and and the rest of, the rest of the the schedule that's coming up this season is, is you're going to need that. So definitely has to be addressed, whether it comes via trade or it comes via somebody coming up from Providence, which I still haven't seen. And we'll talk about some of those players later on, but you know, it, like I, like you said, well-written article from Joe Mack. Um, and, and the way I really liked about what I liked about it the most was, was Cassidy is, is not, is not, you know, sugarcoating anything about his assessment of this team uh mm-hmm. this is there's definitely areas to be concerned but it's early and and it's just more or less he seems very relaxed in his conversation with joe matt uh say, saying that you know we'll be patient and hopefully things straighten out and and hopefully that works out yeah, yeah because I mean, if you look at this team think about it who's missing from last year shaller and nash yep and, and no big losses, to, in my opinion. I mean, Nash, yeah, I mean, he could go up and down the lineup like a like a, a really good tool in the tool bag. But I, I don't think that his money would, was – I think he wanted more money. And I think he, I, he got what he wanted in, um, in Columbus. So I, I'm not in on the whole we should have kept those two players, but like some other people. Those two players are not going to – you know, if, if, even if they were on this team, they, they're not that good that they're going to turn this team around. It's got, it's got to come by committee. You got to be all lined up, all in the same plan. Let's read the message and let's go and execute. Yeah, uh, you know, touching upon Cassidy's straightforwardness, he's always been a straight shooter, which I, I've always respected in, in a head coach. Um, I mean, it's similar to Alex Cora of the Red Sox, uh, how he's always been straightforward. Uh, at least at his first season. Um, but yeah, since, since he, you know, took the helm, Cassidy's always kind of said how it is. Um, and you know, you re- I, I really, uh, I really respect that. Um, I think that's a great quality in a head coach and, you know, it, let, it lets your guys know if you're struggling, your coach is going to say it, uh, in public, not just to you, but in public. Um, but I mean, I don't think he does it in a way that, uh, harms the team's morale. You know, he just says it how it is. The depth is struggling. We need to find we need to find our best game, and I think it'll flush out. Um, you know, I think other coaches might kind of sugarcoat uh, that a little bit more, or you know, maybe even disregard it uh, with just you know a couple words about it. So, uh, yeah, really respect how he handles the media as a head coach. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 unreal. Um, my bias um, aside. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> right. I have, some, I have some bias. I think he's, I think he's really good. Um, but, uh, I just like the whole McAvoy thing that got released just the other day. And I know we're going to touch on it. He didn't say concussion, but he didn't say it wasn't right. He, he's a straight shooter about everything. He, what did he say after the, the, the last game two could play it was soft goal. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, he, he said the other night in the Carolina game, he's like, you know, uh, I'm sure, uh, Halak wanted one of those back. Because it was a bad goal, but he was one of the best guys on the ice. But he's yeah, still steady. So he played a great game, but he let in a crappy goal. Is what it is. Yeah, I think McAvoy. Uh, I mean, my assumption is he's suffering a concussion right now. Uh, even if they're not saying it, which is an indication of its own, 
Uh, I remember back when the injury happened, they just basically said McAvoy said he wasn't feeling right. I mean, since, since how is that trip. not a concussion? You know, uh, you don't you don't say that about uh, just any injury. Uh, if you're not feeling right mentally um, and physically, then uh, I'd say it's a concussion. But they're probably not going to disclose that at this point. If you enjoyed this week's Athletic.com article of the week on our Black and Gold Hockey podcast, head over to theathletic.com slash blackandgoldpod and sign up today. You could save up to 40% off a yearly subscription and get unparalleled Boston Brewers coverage from local writers such as Joe McDonald and Fluto Shinzawa. You also get access to many other popular professional sports by signing up at theathletic.com slash blackandgoldpod. What is The Athletic, you ask? The Athletic.com website is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos that can be very annoying. Instead, readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their team inside and out. Please go to theathletic.com slash blackandgoldpod today and be a part of the future of sports journalism. All right, guys, uh, let, let's just dive right into the whole McAvoy injury thing. Uh, Connor Ryan of the Boston Sports Journal uh, tweeted out a, a picture of uh, a paragraph uh, from uh, Bruce Cassidy um, concerning the, the whole concussion thing. And it, and it said, I'm not aware of that. Uh, he got hit and he felt a little bit off in China. Uh, he was off. So what does that mean? It's a little dizziness and whatnot. I think we're just allowing him to stay away until he's his equilibrium or whatever you want to call it feels better, and he feels like he's back to normal uh, and normal energy level. I'm not trying to skirt it. I think the team and uh, the announcement medically, uh, he's not he's too important of a player that they'd be out there. But that's where it is right now. Sorry, I really need my glasses. But uh, dizziness, words like dizziness and uh, equilibrium, that to me, I'm no, I, I, you know, I don't write for the New England Journal of Medicine, but that that spells <laughs> that spells concussion to me. That he got his bell rung. Any thoughts, guys? As someone who's currently still suffering for one, yes. Um, I think he got one. Um, I thought I've been fine a million different times now in the last year. And then I find out I'm not, um, now I'm, now I'm having vision problems and I got, I might have to get glasses because of this damn thing. It's not because of age. So, um, it sucks. That's the worst part. That's another thing. Like, um, Matt Hellman made a, a tweet today when someone said, Oh, what about back on Island? And he replied back if he comes back and it's true. You yep. don't even know when these guys are going to come back. If they got a concussion, like look at David Backus. I think David Backus could be a prime candidate for Rick Nash at the end of this season. I don't know if he's 100%. You keep getting these concussions, trust me, it messes with you. Like I think I'm fine, and then I go to the gym. One day I'm fine. The next day I go, oh, I got a screaming headache after. But yeah. The- uh, <laughs> Sorry, Drew. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm no concussion expert. Uh, I'll leave that to uh, Carcillo, who's super outspoken about that uh, on Twitter, which I think is really awesome. Uh, definitely needs to be a lot of awareness around that in, uh, in sports in general and especially hockey right now. 
Um, but yeah, dizziness spells out to me that it's uh, a concussion. Um, and you make a good point, Court, when you uh, brought up that tweet, how it, if Vakuninen is back, I mean, especially when you're young in a career, uh, in Vakuninen's case, his uh, his what was it? Was that his first game? Second. Or was it his second? Second, second game. game in the NHL and you get a concussion, I mean... That can be hard to bounce back from. Uh, I mean, Bergeron, for example, I got a concussion, and obviously he continued to excel, but the, I, I think that's a rare case, honestly. Um, you know, if you suffer a concussion young, there's so many opportunities for you to suffer another at some point, um, which is definitely unfortunate. But, yeah, when you get a concussion when you're young, it, which could be the case with McAvoy, obviously they haven't disclosed it, but... Um, yeah, that can definitely spell trouble, uh, not just for the period that you're out, but the rest of the season, next season, and so on. Uh, if that is the case, he, it, you know, uh, everyone thinks McAvoy is going to be a great defenseman, but that could tamper his potential. Uh, it's unfortunate, but that could be the case. So we're recording this podcast on November the 4th, and McAvoy hasn't played since... October 18th versus Edmonton. My my concern is, or not concern, but more or less I'm just curious why they just haven't come out and said anything. Why? I mean, that is more than the seven-day concussion protocol. You know, mm-hmm. why don't they just come out and just say he's, he's, he's got a upper body injury, it's a concussion. I don't, I don't know why the sugar coating is going on, unless there's something else going on. And some people have alluded to this might be a heart-related issue, which I'm not too sure about. And I'm not sure if I want to speculate on that because it, of what he went through um, a year prior. So I, I just want him to come out and just say, listen, he's going to be out for a while. He's got to get better. And not, you know, we're waiting for him to see the that he, he's going to get signs that he's going to get better. Just For me, I just want a clarity, pretty much. It'd be nice. And I, I don't disagree, but maybe that's something that it has to change because the NHL is, I know it's freedom of information, but the NHL doesn't give any information on no, on injuries. No. So you don't even know what's going on with these guys. But it, if it was a concussion, didn't Cassidy say if it was a concussion, he would say it was? Yeah. Pretty much. He did say if it was a concussion. So maybe Cassidy doesn't know the full, he knows more than we know, obviously, but... Maybe maybe it isn't a concussion. Why wouldn't they have said it by now? That's what I'm saying. And 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 to touch on your point about about the the, the freedom of you know speech, whatever uh, you just mentioned, you, you think the um, the injury reports are going to get much tougher when gambling gets involved? You know, yeah. well, you can. Well, you can. Um, I, you can gamble here in Canada. In Ontario, oh, I know. Bet you can... on bet on hockey. No, like. I can go to the corner store and bet on the Leaf game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we have a thing called ProLine here. So, like, it's it's a regular thing. Like, the whole the, – the only reason that whole MGM Graham thing, it's just so the NHL can make money because they're going to have all these different stats they're going to be able to keep track of next year because I believe that chip is going to be in the puck next year. And you can tell how shot speed and all that kind of stuff, I believe. Yeah, I think you make a good point about how uh... – You'd think they'd disclose it by now if it was a concussion. Um, so it could, it could just be kind of what they've been saying, that he's not feeling right. And, 
you know, maybe they checked for concussion. I mean, I'm sure they checked for concussion if he's not feeling right like that, if he's dizzy. But uh, that could just be the case that they, they didn't find a concussion or any real uh, symptoms of a concussion and that he's just not feeling right for some reason. Uh, I guess we just we, we won't know, obviously, until they tell us. But, uh, you know, hopefully he's okay and hopefully it really isn't a concussion. Um, moving on to our next uh, topic on the agenda list. If if the Bruins do not want to make the trade and they want to shake things up a little bit internally, um, thoughts on who could come up from Providence? Um, Rob Tomlin, co-host of the show, who couldn't make it here today, and, and obviously thank you to uh, Drew Drew Johnson for covering. Um, but. Rob mentioned players like uh, Martin Bakos, Carson Coleman, and uh, I threw in uh, Peter Solarik because that seems to be the go-to uh, player that everybody wants to give give a chance. Um, in my personal experience watching Solarik, yeah, he's he's a good prospect um, and, and well ranked in the depth pool, but there's something there that is not having him in the NHL right now that I can't see, that probably Jay Leach and Trent Woodfield down in Providence do see, and also, uh, obviously, uh, Bruce Cassidy and, and Kevin Dean up here. But he scored his first goal of the season last night against the Charlotte Checkers, and, and they lost the game, and Providence is not playing well. This does not scream to me that Solaric needs to be in the NHL. He needs to show me at the AHL level that he can put the puck in the net on the regular and be consistent and be that player that everybody says, hey, why aren't you guys taking a look at this guy? If you need people and players to be offensive, you need production from them. You don't call up a guy that's only got one goal in, in, in uh, I don't know how many games that Providence has played so far, but I, I just don't get the fascination of, of, of it. Maybe it's because he's a big player, rangy player, plays both sides. Um, I don't get it. I thought he played well when he was on Krejci's line last year, but they're like, I'll I'll, I'll agree with you. Like, there's got to be something up. It's just like I'm scratching my head still. Why isn't Bjork even at least had a shot on that line? But maybe you know, coach knows more than us, 100. percent So maybe there's something we just don't see. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't seen i don't i don't watch the providence bruins closely uh so i i can't say much on the topic but i know i know he has played in the nhl and i i've liked what i've seen from him uh i mean uh during his last stint he uh scored a goal and an assist uh in six games but overall i i liked his game when he was up here but uh you know, I guess he's just he's just struggling this season. Like I said, I, I don't watch Providence too closely. I, I rely on you guys for my information on Providence. I rely on Mark, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm the I'm the Providence guru. <laughs> well, but then, I don't have enough time in my life to watch that much hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean who knows? I I mean, you talk about Donato going down and, and then, you know, the, the praise of him coming back up because he's doing well down in Providence. Well, I honestly haven't seen it. Uh, his first game. he was the savior. I know. I know. So many so many people last 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 fall and, 
And so when he was, he wasn't playing in the playoffs. I know. And coming out of Harvard, everybody's like, the Bruins are going to win the cup when they add this guy. It's like, keep drinking that Kool-Aid and hopefully jump out your window shortly after. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, he's down there to, to serve a purpose, and that purpose is to get better at the overall game. He needs to get better on his two-way game. Donato is a solid prospect when he has the puck. Off the puck, he's, he's a deer in headlights. We've yep. seen it at, at the NHL level. There's nothing wrong with him going down. The fan freak out when they found out that he was going to Providence was absolutely ridiculous. Don't throw your coursey crap at me saying that he's got uh, this and that when he's in his puck possession and his shooting numbers and this and that. No, you throw those numbers at me when you're an all-around two-way player, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in and read more into it. But this kid needs more time in the um, in the in the organization at the lower level fight for it that's that's the carrot in front of the horse go down there put in your best effort show that you want to come back and hopefully this sometime this year he does get placed back but then again i'm not going to get all butthurt if he stays down there for the whole season it's just going to be better i i bring it back to jake debroskin his full season that is a great character of what happens when you develop properly i just think that right now donato's just you know, there's room for improvement. It's a work in progress. I get it. But to have him at the NHL level right now is a little, uh, you know, a little how much for me. Marsh in uh, and Pasta? Like, how long were their stints in Providence? They were up and down. I mean, Marshan, Marshan was up and down. It doesn't make it, you know, he turned out to have a decent career. Pasta act the same thing. Just a bit. Yeah, and Pasta act the same thing. He went up and down because of. Uh, you know, injury stints, but there was a there was a time that Pasta wasn't producing, you know, and, you know, I, I'm sure that they didn't want him to go through the whole Vetrano, you know, thing uh, when you when you score as a goal and everybody gets on that train, and then what happens when he doesn't produce a point in 19 games? That's why he went, Pasternak went down there to go work on his game, and guess what? It turned out really well for him, too, so this happens. It's not a, it's not a degrade on, on, on their their skill level. Everybody needs work. Everybody needs that push. I mean, even at even at my job, we we have like a certain percentage of um of how much we ship per month. We're at we're close to a hundred percent. But you know what? Ownership puts it back to ninety eight. You want to know why? So we try harder and produce harder and and be more aggressive. You know, you just gotta you gotta put that carrot out to some of these players and and don't jump off the don't jump off the cliff when your favorite kid. Or the shiny new toy goes down and, and needs some work in the in the AHL. Yeah, I think uh, obviously uh, Donato needs this. He hasn't been performing well at all, especially his two way game. Um, and I think uh, I mean last season when he he was excelling and blew us all away. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he was playing with Bergeron. He was playing with Marshawn. He had shifts with Krejci. Uh, you know he's playing with these really offensively skilled players, and then when you throw him on the third line or, or the fourth line, as he's where he's been playing this season, uh, obviously he's not going to perform uh, at the same offensive rate. And it that when you're playing on those lines, it really showcases your two-way game, uh, which just hasn't been there. So I think sending him down to Providence is definitely the right move. Uh, I don't think anyone should be panicking about it. Obviously, there are a lot of people are. Um, and I think uh, even with the offensive game, the defensive game, the offensive game, he'll be able to groom out there. I mean, 
it's honestly better for his development. If he's only getting, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's around like 10, 11 minutes that he's averaging per game. Uh, you know, down there, you can get 18, 20 minutes if he's playing on the first line. He could score 20, 30 goals if he's playing on the first line and getting all those minutes. And it just gives him more time to really figure out that two-way game. Uh, ice time is a huge is a huge factor in development. He's going to get it down there, uh, hopefully build some confidence and uh, improve his game. Absolutely. Um, we got one more topic before we finish it out, and that's obviously the power play concerns um, with with the team on paper and and the 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 cast the cast players that can be put on the man advantage and things are not getting done uh is it because we're missing players or is it just we're not fully engaged into playing the way we should a man um a man up well one thing for sure krug not being out there was just killing the power play like here was another perfect example like if mcavoy was injured the whole time then i'll give him a pass but when he was playing on the power play he wasn't helping it he was hindering it. So I think the power play will get better. But from what I saw in that Nashville game, I, I I got to the point where I'm just like, all right, even I know you're just trying to find pass to open on that stretch pass. Like, just whatever. Pass, pass, pass. Find pass down the one side. Let's go for the shot. Pass, pass, pass. Let's find pass to. Let's get back to, I believe, last year at one point, they were throwing Bacchus out in front of the net. They were throwing Charo in front of the net. They were doing different looks when the power play was just killing teams last year. Yes, they were still going over that pasta thing, but let's not just try and overdo the same thing over and over again. Just, I don't know, they got to try something different because it isn't working. Yeah, I think they're they're basically looking for the perfect goal and they're on the power play. Um, and, you know, sometimes that worked. It did work last season. Uh, I mean, you look at the highlights of their goals last season and a lot of them are from the power play. Uh, just finding a guy open, like uh, a pass across the zone for a one-timer. But you know, sometimes when that's not working, you just got to get the puck on net, get a rebound, get some get some dirty goal. Uh, just take a slap shot from the point and see what happens. You know, just start shooting the puck um, if the passing game isn't working because you can. I mean, all teams in the NHL, you can see power plays where they just pass the puck around the zone, finally, finally get a shot off after a string of six seven passes and then it gets blocked and then you got to regroup and get it back in the zone and start over again uh i think when it when it's going tough like that like you said they're just trying to find posture knock last night uh just get the puck on net good things happen yeah seriously absolutely get some shots because they weren't shooting i don't know I, I i almost don't want to say they're not shooting enough and they're maybe they're trying to find the perfect shot even yeah, well, that reminds me of the like, like and I hate bringing other sports into our conversation, but like the movie Hoosiers uh, was it, it's a basketball movie, and and like Gene Hackman played the coach, and it was like they had to pass. It it was a team thing, a team drill. You had to pass like eleven times before you took a shot. That's what it almost seems like, uh, and I, I he, my wife Courtney always laughs when I say this. I'm like, shoot the puck. This is not Hoosiers. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just if you if you have a seam and you have the ability to do it, I I just want to see you rip it and 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 do do what's best. Uh, maybe go out of the realm of, of of what's being taught 
in the system and, and try something different when you have the um, when you have that ability. But uh, I just want to see more shots. Definitely more shots. All right, I think that will do it for the hour. Um, we will get back to the uh, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast listener rewards from our Patreon members. Uh, definitely, if you want to get get on this and be uh, eligible, please go to patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast and sign up today, donate a dollar, get involved. Thank you very much to our listeners, uh, and we'll be back next week. Uh, please follow Drew Johnson at Schmoob on Twitter. Uh, he's a fantastic writer for the, our, our team at the blackandgoldhockey.com website, and um, he's uh, really good at um, the NCAA men's hockey covering the Boston University Terriers. So, uh, Drew, thank you very much for coming on. It was awesome. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And, of course, Court, thank you so much for, for joining me every week. I uh, really appreciate that. No problem. All right, we will end that there. Thank you very much, everybody, and take care. Bye-bye. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Puck gets under the skate of Nikki Petty and Jack Stunika, shorthanded breakaway, scores! Tucks it in underneath Cole Cece and it's a 1-0 Oshawa lead. Now McLeod mishandles and Donato tries to make a pay. Here's Donato. In deep, Ryan Donato curls and scores! A highlight reel goal for Ryan Donato. Something happens. Goes to his left. In front, and that's Fred Frederick on the one-time redirect. Frederick with his fourth, and Team USA now up 8-2. to Hey Bruins fans, as mentioned earlier in the hour one of our show, um, I'm really pumped to have my guest, and and th- we're not doing a prospect hour this week. We will get back to that as soon as uh, Josh Bemis comes back from his honeymoon in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, where he went and saw the Bruins game, unfortunately lose, but um, in his place, and kind of doing something differently. We're going to talk about one prospect today, is is uh, Rogers TV color analyst. Uh, he's a writer for Inside the Queue. And the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, New Brunswick Regional Scout. He's my friend, Craig Eagles, and you can find him on Twitter at EJEAGS37. Craig, how you doing, buddy? Great. Thanks so much uh, for having me back on, Mark. Always a pleasure to join uh, join the show. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been a while, and uh, last year we we did uh, three segments with you. We did an early fall and uh mid-season and an end of the year so and we talked about uh two prospects that were up in the st john playing with the st john sea dogs and that was uh, uh jacobs borrell and um and uh cedric pare which we're going to talk about today and cedric has since moved on uh been traded to from the sea dogs to the ramuski oceanic of the queue so um you wrote an article in late 
October about Pirate, and I really wanted to touch on some of the things that that you you mentioned in that article. Uh, and first and foremost, um, tell people what you've seen from this prospect thus far in the queue. Ah, uh, a tremendous progression, really, Mark, for this young man uh, coming in to a a highly skilled sea dogs team that went on to win the president's cup he didn't see a lot of action his uh, his really his rookie season uh with the sea dogs and in his draft year so first and foremost credit goes to alan uh, alain bisonette the uh, bruins scout here uh in the quebec league he does an amazing job um and it's been great to talk to uh, alain over the uh, the last couple of years so Cedric's progression as a player um, and his development um, has really picked up. Um, the biggest aspect of this, and we've talked about it before, Mark, is he is not an offensive player. He's going to be a, a bottom six shutdown guy. He does have some offensive upside, and we're seeing those numbers this year. Um but yeah, just the progression, he's gotten stronger, um, more mature, taking a leadership role, um, playing in all situations last year with a rebuilding Sea Dogs team, and then, you know, going into uh, Ramuski, really he's searching for his identity right now. They, they uh, in the trade to acquire Cedric, um, they did give up a lot, so... Right now, I think he's he's trying too hard, and I think he's trying to be a little bit more offensive, um, given that. And and I think the kid's feeling some pressure right now. Yeah, I mean, a, a trade will definitely do that, um, regardless of what league you're in. But um, uh, I've definitely seen so far that he's having a better career start with Ramuski and that that might be indicted to the, the the people that are surrounding him that are making him better um but I, I'm curious um to t I want to actually curious I wanted to talk about when you see him as a as a career bottom six role and not a top six because with the trade from St. John uh that pretty much stripped away a lot of the talent besides uh Cedric uh you know Joe Valeno and all that he he was promoted to a bigger role um in uh i think i believe is it's josh dixon head coach right and and dixon was very um positive with with cedric's development and progression uh as well as their top top line guy last year um at this level so with ramuski now he's sliding into um really the second line center but they they have a really deep hockey club and Serge Beausoleil, their head coach, is very demanding, which is going to help Cedric, I think, um, develop even more. And, you know, it, it's, as you know, Mark, it's difficult just to, to see a prospect in one game. You need the body of work. And when Ramuski came in to, to play against Moncton, there it was the, the third game in four nights. So you, you can't really... They were up 4-2 after 2. Moncton came back and um, and beat them that game. I thought Cedric played well um, in the third period. I thought he fought the puck a little bit. Um, 
in the in the first two periods, and and really, Ramuski very opportunistic, uh, and and scored some power play goals there. So, yeah, it's it's difficult to kind of project him um, in that top six role. The offensive numbers are there um, right now, and that's great, and they should be there for a veteran like like Cedric, but offensively and and like he told me in the in the article and in the interview they want him to be a little bit more offensive and move his feet and and get into those open seams and i think if he does that he's going to get those uh offensive opportunities yeah 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 um he also mentioned that he uh needs to read the plays better and anticipate especially before he gets the puck so in in question, is it his his off puck skills that really need more attention moving forward? Well, I think he's getting lots of touches and and opportunities with with Ramuski right now, and and it's the identity, and I think really he's searching for that, and like I said uh, earlier, I think he's trying to do too much, and I think. You know, there's a lot of pressure right now, and you know, with res- regards to maybe potentially signing an entry level contract, and and you were there at camp. I I don't know what kind of camp he had, um, but it you know he he thought he had a better experience this time around, and and one hundred percent. So and which is good. That's great, and you want to see that progression. And I think the Bruins as an organization are are liking um his development and it's only going to get better because Ramuski's a deep club and with with aspirations of of really making a strong push this season and into next yeah from what i saw at camp um in year one after his draft um was timid type of player uh, not knowing his surroundings but did show that that skill that you want to bring to a camp like that in front of the uh, uh, you know the the brass that are looking down on you. Um, so what I what I did notice and I took notes on was uh, his intelligence at camp was stepped up to uh, it went from a seventy five to a hundred percent the following year. His zone entries were better. His possession time was better, and and his and his puck protection was by far the best attribute that I saw um, him really really being aggressive on in this camp. What I've I don't get I don't have the you know the I watch about twenty games of him since he's been drafted, so each season, so I don't really get a, a great eye test, but I do get some of it you know on, on the on the Quebec uh, on demand stream, but um. Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're seeing him fit as a bottom six role player, and and he'll be 20 uh, the next season, so he'll be eligible for the the Providence Bruins and and maybe even a role down the third or fourth line there. So there's definitely positives for him. I just one of the reasons why I really enjoy talking to you and interacting with you on Twitter about Pyre is that we we have a conversation that doesn't involve over glorifying stats. So many, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, I do. So many people get in touch with me and says, I say that I don't know what I'm talking. And I'm, I'm not, I'm far by, I'm by far an expert in, in, in hockey prospects, but I like to reach out to people like you and get different opinions and see what's going on from the guys that are in the trenches and doing the work. So 
this is important for me, and it's a learning curve for me too. But these guys, they always come back at me and say he's not a very good prospect. They really dropped the ball on him, but they're only looking at his numbers. That's the only thing that they can show me is they don't have the eye test. And that and that's unfortunate to make a really proper evaluation. But that's one of the reasons why I always like having you on because, you know, it's an honest thing. You don't, you're just not going to blast me with numbers and say he's good. You're there watching the whole process. Well, and, and he, he does need to, to work on his foot speed. And, and Cedric would be the first to tell you that. Yeah. You know, he, he realizes that. He needs to get quicker, more explosive, and to get to those and, and to win those uh, puck battles down low and to get into those uh, seams in all three zones, Mark. And, and I appreciate um, you saying that because it goes beyond the stats. It's the little things. It's how he handles, um, you know, you mentioned puck protection. It's how he handles the puck. It's his decision-making. Um, and and you, you mentioned uh, puck possession. It's the little things that, that I, I see and I try to, to be more observant and 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 project as well so yeah he is driven this young man is driven to get better and i've seen that progression um with with cedric all the way through and you can't take that lightly you know the kid has lots of character he's putting in 110 percent. i know that's cliche but he they they're happy with his his um, his work ethic and his leadership. You know, I was talking to a longtime uh, Oceanic scout, um, and yeah, they're really happy with him. It's just, he, he, you know, he's got to find that role. And and you know, Lafreniere is going to be probably on the World Junior uh, team roster, so he's going to have a, Cedric's going to have a bigger role. When uh, Alexis Lafreniere is is gone for the better part of two to three weeks, so you know he's going to get lots of touches and especially first power play uh, time when when Lafreniere is gone. Yeah, and that that Lafreniere is a fantastic prospect. That kid is really good, man. The, the games that I've seen uh, Pare play in, um, he's been just electrifying. So good luck he, on him. Good. He's going to go first first overall in, oh. in 2020. He oh, really easily, is. Easily. Um, so you uh, – do you – when you when you covered uh, for Rogers, uh, what general area are you in? Or are you everywhere? <laughs> well, usually just Moncton and St. John. Yep. Um, so over the last three or four, it's this is year four. Uh, in the journey so far uh, from a broadcast perspective and year two um, or th- year three as a, as a scout. So um, for the league, for central scouting uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League from a midget perspective. So I'm evaluating 15-year-olds uh, for the Q draft. But yeah, getting back to the, the broadcasting aspect. So th- this is year four. So uh, usually Moncton and, and St. John. Nice. That's awesome. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Did a couple uh, games up in Bathurst as well. So uh, have family up in the northern part of the province. So we make a, a weekend out of it. Nice. And the uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League is celebrating its 50th year this season. Um, so let, let me, let's step out away from the Bruins prospect and, and away from my Bruins fandom for a second and, and talk about the Q for a moment. Um, 
how do you think that the the queue has evolved since you you were growing up and and probably following along to where where it is today oh, I really mark and that's a great question the progression of the league um, it's always had those skilled offensive uh, minded players and and the hundred point getters but there was always this undercurrent of of fighting and and you know, you know, teams would always have that tough guy, um, and for that predominant role, it, the league has changed, the game has changed, and we're seeing a lot of um, highly skilled import players, impact import players coming over. Um, but yeah, the, the league is growing, and and um, they're doing amazing work um, on uh, on the social media side. Obviously, a, a very special year in year fifty. But um, yeah, from a social media perspective, they're they're doing a lot, um, and the the league is only going going to get better. And from a maritime perspective, there's lots of maritime kids um, excelling in the league. And you know, I, I talk about uh, Islanders first rounder Noah Dobson, Summerside uh, PEI product. You know, tremendous career here uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, winning the President's Cup and the Memorial Cup, and uh, he really gets it and understands and uh, what what the league is all about. And, and players around this region uh, and into Ke- Quebec, they get it and they know how special the league is, and it's a great showcase uh, for for prospects. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I told you, I, I try to watch at least. A prospect at least twenty times uh, because I, I soak in a lot of hockey during the weekend. So I, I mean, I have in the studio. I have like multiple screens that I put up uh, a, a WHL team or or an Ontario Hockey League or the Q, and and then the Bruins and the AHL Bruins. And I'll just watch all of those and obviously can only pay attention to one. But I have the access to record, so I can go back and look at video and so on, which is really important to my evaluations to, of these kids. But uh, yeah, the Q is just such a solid league, and I believe it's just getting better. Um, w- with that being said, I'm not sure how it would be worded to you working for Rogers, but you know the streaming app on the Quebec Community Junior Hockey League website? <laughs> um, I've I've never checked it really. Okay, uh, all right. Yeah. Well, I was so, I was I was wondering if you might had any intel on if they might change. Along, I heard the WHL from uh, Guy Flaming. I'm not sure if you listen to his podcast at all. Uh, haven't haven't yet, but I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah, check it out. It's uh, it's it's all about prospects all the way across. I'll send you I'll send you his link and uh, you can and follow. But um, oh, Guy Fleming. Yeah. Okay. Um, neat. Danny Flynn and his son Brad. Danny coaching or scouting longtime coach now scouting for the columbus blue jackets and brad is uh coaching he's the assistant coach for for red deer i think they mentioned uh that guy and they said he is unbelievable oh, he, he's got his his podcast has been going on for 14 years and it it just seems to get better every year with his coverage it's so unbelievable he, yeah, so he covers just the West predominantly, right? More or less, that's you know that's a p- bigger part of his show, but he does cover the Q. It's it's basically a, a, a huge Canadian prospect um, 
uh, podcast, but you know, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that that's the guy they were talking about. Yeah, he he does a great job, and uh, and he he was mentioning that the WHL's contract with uh, I believe it's Newlyon. I'm not sure if that's still still around, but uh, is ending at the, this at this year. And I was wondering if the CHL is going to entertain another contract with a different company to make things cheaper for for folks like myself that watch all these leagues down in the Boston area, just like the AHL TV did with on the uh, AHL.com website. Right. Because it used well, to be it used to be 150 dollars for me just to watch the home and away games. Um, of the Providence Bruins, and if I wanted to watch, get the league package, that was over three hundred and fifty dollars. Now, now AHL TV came in, and it's believe it or not, it's Hockey Tech, but it, they call it AHL TV. They came in, and now they're offering a league-wide home and away uh, views for seventy-nine dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, it's huge savings, and and a lot of people were concerned and saying, "Hey, listen, you know." We'd love to have that too, especially some of the the folks that uh, live in New England, the New England area that have uh, lucky members of their family playing in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League just over the border. So it was yeah, a win win right. for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Um, to, to answer your question, that's way above my pay grade, <laughs> and those those are questions that I don't uh, tend to ask. I got, I got you. No, I completely understand, bud. Um. So you you were involved. Um, was it just this weekend, or was it the whole week with uh, some under seventeen tournament? Well, uh, the world under uh, seventeen hockey challenge going on right now in Quisp Pam Sist, uh, New Brunswick, and, and St. John. Um, so power outage last night uh, had a weather system roll through the uh, the Maritime. So uh, we were calling uh, Mike Sanderson and I were calling. Uh, Finland and Sweden uh, in the afternoon, and, and Team Red and the Russian uh, game. Unfortunately, the power went out with uh, I think seven minutes, seven thirty left in the third period. With Canada really pushing, uh, pushing back. Um, yeah, Mark, it's an unbelievable tournament, and if you ever have the opportunity um, to watch those games, and they're streaming uh, those games currently as well for the re, uh, remainder of the week. And then TSN is coming in to, to cover uh, the bronze medal game and, and uh, the gold medal game. So uh, it's an unbelievable experience uh, from a broadcast perspective, from, you know, a scouting perspective to see these kids um, excel at that, that world stage is uh, it's truly incredible. And just one example, Luca Cormier, um, local kid played from uh, the Moncton AAA Midget Flyers, who uh, represented uh, the Atlantic uh, provinces at the Telus Cup. You know, Luca made was selected to to represent Canada, and to see and and Josh Lawrence as well to see those kids on that stage and and playing well um, is is really gratifying and and. You know, it just shows that hockey is growing uh, in this area. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of the area, uh, the 2019 Memorial Cup is being held in Halifax, Nova Scotia this this year. Are you are you fortunate enough to uh, to attend? Well, <laughs> right now, um, yeah, I'll probably get down there. <laughs> nice. Uh, some negotiating. Uh, 
with uh, with my family and my my wife uh, <laughs> probably is going to take place so around that time but the Memorial Cup Halifax started 15 games on the road this season uh, they were fixing the ice surface um, brand new uh, everything down below um, at Scotia Bank uh, Center in Halifax uh, they have a, a really good hockey club uh, with so many NHL uh, prospects and and Cam Russell spoke to Cam uh, actually yesterday on the broadcast and and Cam has done tremendous work from an import perspective you know you just look at the list of names that the Halifax Mooseheads have had in their lineup um, Heischer, Zadina just to name a few Meyer um, yeah Ehlers they do a tremendous job and p- kids want to obviously come play for a first class organization like uh, like the Halifax Moosehead. Yeah, and, and hands off the best jersey I believe in the queue. That is that is a <laughs> shop looking jersey. I don't know, maybe it's just me and I like the Christmas colors. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh well, um I think that's it, Craig. Uh, I want to say thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate you coming back on and giving us an update on Cedric Fire. I, I look forward to hopefully getting in touch with you midseason, maybe with another update, and maybe uh, get back in the spring and talk about end-of-the-year results before he possibly signs an entry-level deal and moves on after his commitment to the Vermouski Oceanic to the Providence Bruins. See what happens. Well, thanks, Mark, for, for having me back. It's always a, a pleasure to, to be on the show. One last final thought on, on Cedric. Look, be, look beyond the numbers and really focus in on where this kid is going to play the pro game and see him develop and progress and not put a lot of pressure and, and wait on those stats. The kid wants it. He's got tremendous character and leadership and I think um, that's what the Bruins are are all about, leadership and character and, and compete level. So he has that. Uh, he has the ability. Um, I think it's going to take some time, and he's going to need some time in Providence, but he's a character and a player and a good role player. Awesome, and that's why we have you on, brother. You you give it to me clean and, and without any huge bias, but... Uh... You can follow Craig on Twitter at EAGS37. And uh, he's a Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, New Brunswick Regional Scout. He writes for the Inside the Q website. He's also a Rogers TV color analyst. Craig, thanks again, brother. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Take care, Mark. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold 277, at Court Lalonde, and at Rob Forty Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.